Whether you're 8 years old or 18 or 80, when you come to Christ, there's some work to do on your mind and the Holy Spirit. That's his role. He brings light into darkness. He brings order out of chaos. He brings life out of death. When he comes, John 16, verse 13, when he comes, will guide you into all the truth. He'll illumine your eyes. He'll guide you into all the truth. That's why daily time with him, filtering life through the scripture, letting the Bible be open is so transformative. Let me remind you again that all of us have the Holy Spirit, uh, but we are to walk in the Spirit. We are to be filled with, these are the commands. Be filled, let him control you. Welcome to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue on our study called The Truth Shall Set You Free. Pastor Scott brings part four of the message titled The Truth About Sanctification. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. Are you uh, discouraged, weary? Maybe, just let me underline this, maybe that's how you came to Christ. Often, God has to bring us low circumstantially to get us to see our need for Him. And as we see all the way through the Scripture, the way in is the way on. I'm sure Nathan will underline that tonight because as you've received Christ, so walk in Him. And so Jesus said, are you weary and heavy laden? Come to me. And I say, are you weary and heavy laden? Don't lose heart. The Holy Spirit lives within you. And he is transforming you. You say, I wish you'd go faster. Spend more time with him. But be patient and realize that daily, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, he transforms us from glory to glory to glory into the same image, the very Christ-likeness of Christ. So that's three things I wanted to note. And then three broad categories that uh, characterize this transformative process. Perspective, purity, and personal obedience. There, you were here, what is it, what is today? March 31st. First time I was alliterative in three years. <laughs> Perspective, purity, and personal obedience. But then I'm not going to be able to do it because as I unfolded perspective. I said, we can't do it all in one week, so I'm not going to get it anyway. <laughs> next week, next time, we'll, we'll look at purity and personal obedience. Because I'll tell you, purity. This is the will of God, First Thessalonians 4. This is God's will for you, your sanctification. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality. So there's plenty to say. 1 Thessalonians 4.3, and sanctification is not something esoteric or away from where we live. No, live a pure life, sexually, with your mind, your body, your soul, everything. And personal obedience, what can I say about obedience? I'll tell you this, the Bible swaps it in for faith all the time. Romans speaks of the obedience of faith that is so central and I know it's fallen on hard times. People think you speak obedience and you're speaking legalism. Maybe you've been thinking that way. Oh, they just told me some things to do that was legal. 
Have you ever read the Bible? No, but I, I'm not going to talk about those two things, purity and personal obedience. I want to come back to perspective. Perspective, the first broad category. Perspective is so important. As the Holy Spirit transforms us, we gain new perspective. Initially, our eyes are opened, and then He illumines us. As we spend time in the Word, we start to see things the way they really are from God's perspective. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) This whole series, we've been seeing that the Bible defines truth as what? Reality, the way things really are. We live in a day where people say there's no such thing as truth. You can have your truth, my truth. That's cool. The Bible says, no, there's truth. The the way things really are. Our minds are renewed and we see, in fact, this, um, this matter of perspective is is sight. It's knowledge, but it's seeing things the way they really... A friend of mine told me this week that uh, he had the opportunity, and this is rare when you think about it, but he said he was spending time with an 80-year-old man, and the 80-year-old man, 80, came to him and said, I see something different about you. He was a business guy throughout his career, you know, and uh, he said, what is it that's different about you? And my friend had the opportunity to explain the Lord Jesus Christ to him and what had changed him from the inside out. And the 80-year-old trusted Christ, and I rejoiced with him. I said, that's wonderful. 80 years old, that doesn't happen too often because we get harder and harder in our unbelief, don't we? And that's why Jesus said, bring the kids to me. Don't hinder those children of such is the kingdom. But this 80-year-old came to Christ. So I started to rejoice, and my friend said, well, yeah, but I mean, because this has been several weeks at least. I don't know how long it's been, but he just told me this week. But he said, you know, he's got some rough edges. And I said, well, duh. <laughs> I didn't say that. But Now, Nathan could say that, but I, I don't dare say that. I said, yeah, he's been thinking wrong for 80 years. He needs his mind renewed. Whether you're 8 years old or 18 or 80, when you come to Christ, there's some work to do on your mind. And the Holy Spirit, that's his role. He brings light into darkness. He brings order out of chaos. He brings life out of death. A lot of people are just living a death life. In fact, we all were when we were out of of Christ. But you come to Christ, and then your life starts to get rearranged and transformed. Jesus said he, when he comes, John 16, verse 13, when he comes, will guide you into all the truth. He'll illumine your eyes. He'll guide you into all the truth. That's why daily time with him. Filtering life through the Scripture, letting the Bible be opened, is so transformative. Let me remind you again that all of us have the Holy Spirit, uh, but we are to walk in the Spirit. 
We are to be filled with these are the commands. Be filled. Let him control you. So you open the book and you let him guide and direct you. And as he does, you gain God's perspective. You don't lose heart. Look at verse 14 again. I looked at it last week with you, but verse 14, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. You know something. And hence, verse 15, for all these things are for your sakes, that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks. You know, the Christian life is a life of thanksgiving. You give thanks because you know He's opened your eyes. You know that the one who raised Jesus from the dead is going to raise you. And because of that, you can give thanks in the thick and thin of life. Oh, how we've seen it, have we not? As we've listened and watched and observed Pete and Meredith with little Audrey. Give thanks in the midst of trouble. And by the way, when I say that, I know everybody here doesn't know Pete and Meredith, but many of you do because they live in community. And I would, we could probably spend a whole week on this. Sanctification isn't little some silo over here where God does this changing in your life. The Bible knows very little of that. I know if you're in a prison cell, God can be sanctifying you. But if you're out here, sanctification takes place in community. And a lot of these things, if you watch the context, it's with one another. And so when I watched and listened and read and prayed with and, you know, Pete and Meredith, his little Audrey was diagnosed and went through that and is still in the midst of it. And every picture I see, I give thanks as they give thanks to the Lord. Larry Filmetzger told me this week, well, he actually wrote me a note. I had phoned him, missed him, left a message. He wrote me a letter, and many of you have received his notes. And he closed it with this. I'm blind in one eye now and not strong, but I'm enjoying every phase of life thanking Christ. How is that? Because one of the key, in fact, I'd almost say the earmark of spirit-filled living is giving thanks. Giving thanks. And notice verse 15, it glorifies God. The giving of thanks abounds to the glory of God. Friday morning, just, what, two days ago, I came over here to the uh, coffee corner to pray with some and Sam opened up the scripture, and he started verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. You know, when I was, I think, about eighth grade or a freshman, the, uh, there was a family that lived right across the street from us, three little girls, I mean, one probably grade school, young, one about my age, and one a little bit older in high school, and their mother had a stroke. And it was just like, whoa. And her whole life was changed. Their whole life was changed by a stroke. 
And as Sam read this verse, he, uh, he told a story I'd never heard. He said, you know, we sold a house years ago up on Bull Mountain. And, you know, you, don't get, you get to know people a little bit when you sell them a house. But later we heard that she'd had a stroke. And he, it was back in, he said, like Sam, he said, you know, I was young in the Lord, and I was ready to go tell her the gospel. And he said, but I couldn't. I was tied up. I was busy. And Lydia went up there. And Lydia had the privilege of leading her to Jesus Christ. And then he said, you know, that woman would have said, I don't want a stroke. A stroke is bad. But that stroke led her to Jesus Christ, life eternal. And I thought of my son-in-law's dad. When I met him, he's an outdoor type of guy, athletic. He was very athletic in college. He's just an outgoing, outdoor kind of a guy. And he's got diabetes. And he's had it since he was 30-something. And when he said, he said, and I said, boy, that's got to be tough. Because, he, you know, it's the real kind, you know, checking your pump all the time and that kind of stuff. And he said, Scott, he said, I'll tell you, that diabetes brought me to Jesus Christ. And I thank the Lord for my diabetes. And now he's in his, I don't know what he's in. I won't say. He might be watching on live. For I know. He's an old guy now. Not so old, really. You see, God can take things that we wouldn't like, and we can give thanks as believers because we see what he's doing. Perspective. Perspective. Knowing. Knowing. You start to see the way things really are. Chris and I, I've been told that if you reduced planet Earth, you know, down to the size of a billiard ball. They tell me that it would be as smooth as a billiard ball. Think about that. You know, that's a massive reduction. You know how things get crisper when you shrink them on your computer and you blow them up and it gets, but you shrink them down. If you reduce planet Earth, Mount Hood wouldn't, you wouldn't even feel it. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but I do know this. We just, on that little trip we took, we saw the Grand Canyon for the first time. And I remember walking out to the rim and just going, oh, wow. It's one thing to see a picture. It's another thing to see, and I understand why they said Grand Canyon. You know. And I suppose if this is a billiard ball, that would just be a little fingernail etch on there, nothing you'd even feel. Because we need perspective to see that, though, don't we? Because when I got up in the plane, when we flew out of Phoenix, we headed north and it was a day like this. And we watched. And we flew over the Grand Canyon. And instead of standing there just going like, oh. Just getting up 30,000 feet, which is how far off the billiard ball? Well, like that, huh? <laughs> Just getting up that high. It's still impressive if you've flown over the Grand Canyon. It was still like, wow, that is a big chasm. But I thought, what if I got to the moon? And where's the moon in relationship to this billiard ball? <laughs> Somewhere like this, you know? Perspective. And I 
sitting there thinking of this is on the plane, God, he's not impressed with the Grand Canyon or Mount Everest. And my little problems that just seem insurmountable, a chasm I can't get across. I need God's perspective, and the Bible gives me that perspective all the time. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. How do I know that? Because I opened the mirror and I read Romans 8, 28, and the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. We know. And I hear people say, oh, don't just quote Romans 8.28. Oh, do quote Romans 8.28. Don't be casual about it. But we know that diabetes, and Sam went on to unfold verse 17, momentary light affliction. How can a wheelchair be called momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison while we look not at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporal but the things which are not seen are eternal you and I before Christ all we did was look at things that are seen you come to Christ the image of the invisible God, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit opens up your eyes, and then you start to read, and you look, you focus your attention not on the things which are seen, but on the things which are not seen. The things which are seen are temporary. The things which are not seen are eternal. And so you can even give thanks, as I've heard Johnny many, many times, give thanks for her paralysis that's a pain and a 50-year pain now. Can't even brush your own teeth, etc. But she gives thanks because she has God's perspective. She knows You see, you and I can know. As we look in the mirror daily, the Holy Spirit opens up the way things really are. Just read on. Just read on. Ignore the chapter again. Look at chapter 5, verse 1. We know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, if this body wears down, and it's going to, our outer man is decaying. We know. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed in this house we groan, longing to be clothed in our dwelling from heaven. Inasmuch as we have put it on, shall not be found naked. For indeed while we're in this tent we groan. As long as I'm in this body, I'm groaning, aren't you? But because we don't want to be unclothed, but to be clothed in order that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. And he just goes on. That's why we love to read the Bible, because it gives us these truths that are so true. Are, is anybody here discouraged? physically. I mean, every morning at prayer meeting, somebody's got cancer, somebody's got this. There's real problems physically in our lives. We're going to get new bodies. That's the truth. We're going to get new bodies. Our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior who will transform the body of this humility into conformity 
with the body of his son. We're going to get a body like Jesus. Are you struggling? Anybody here struggling emotionally? He's going to sanctify us completely. Body, soul, and spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Anybody struggling with a relationship? <laughs> Anybody struggling, burdened mentally? He's renewing our minds, and one day soon, there's going to be no more sorrow, no more tears, no more pain. We're going to be with Him. Now, these truths set us free. Set us free. You struggling spiritually? Anybody here know what Romans 7 is all about? The good that I would, I can't, and the bad I don't want to do, I end up doing. Romans 7 is real. But there's coming a day when I'll be delivered from the very presence of sin, glorification. Now, these are truths. I'll close with this one. Turn to 1 John. 1 John. Chapter 3. See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we shall be. We know. We know. Same phrase. We know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. He, Christian, is processing you and me into the same image from glory glory. We know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him just as He is. Everyone who has this hope fixed on Him purifies Himself just as He is pure. Father, we ask You now by Your Holy Spirit to open the eyes of our hearts daily. We've looked at Your Word and You've spoken to us. You've Set us free. We need to do that some more this afternoon, tonight, tomorrow. We need to behold as in a mirror the face of Christ, the glory of God. And as we do, we ask you to change our perspective, to make us more and more like Jesus. been listening to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, The Truth About Sanctification, a message from our study of the great truths of the faith. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to abideintheword.us. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We'd like to invite you to join us in our outdoor summer services. Throughout the summer months beginning on Sunday, July 9th and continuing through Sunday, September the 3rd, we'll be holding our morning services in the great outdoors. 
Come join us on our spacious lawn each of those Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. You can bring your own lawn chairs or blankets or use the chairs provided at the service. We'd love to have you join us as we worship our Lord outdoors this summer. If you'd like more details, head on over to our website at swbible.org, and we hope to see you there. Abide in the Word only remains on the air through the generous contributions of listeners like you. We'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider partnering with us on a regular basis to help us meet our daily expenses. To make a contribution, just go online to abideintheword.us or mail us at Abide in the Word, P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. God is holy. When He calls us out of darkness into light, we are not only declared right with God, but He calls us to a holy lifestyle. Now, that's what we mean when we say sanctification. The process whereby the Holy Spirit changes us from the inside out, and we become more and more like His Son. Now, notice what He says. He says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality. That is, that you be sexually pure. He takes on perhaps the most important aspect of what it means to be sanctified. Join us again next time as we continue in this important study. Pastor Scott will bring part five of the message titled, The Truth About Sanctification. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.